0: Thank you. Well, it's great to be here. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 4? If you haven't a Bible, don't worry, I think it's probably going to come up, and I'll try and read the same. <laughs> uh, just a few. It's right, Paul's in the middle of a letter, but I'll break into the middle of this letter in chapter 4. And Paul says, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different From a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery to the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Well, we'll stop there. That is the Word of God. I want to show you a picture. It's from the... uh, If we can put it up, this is a from, uh, come with the picture? There you go, there you go. You know that picture, it's a well-known picture by Millet. It's in uh, Tate Britain, if you've seen it. It's the boyhood of Raleigh, the great intrepid sea traveler. The point I want to make is this. this, this if we're going to understand Christmas, you have to use your imagination. This old sailor, this old sea dog, is, is inspiring these two new boys. Walter Raleigh is a boy and his friend and he 's inspiring them about a world that is beyond beyond this he 's pointing south west out of wherever it is. the picture was painted in budley and actually but uh, it 's sort of that area and he's he 's firing the imagination of this young lad and his friend uh, and and we know raleigh 's career enabled him to go out across the Atlantic and helped to plant North Carolina and and work in the other colonies and to do many, many great sea voyages. And the thing that started it was the old boy here, who didn't just cajole him or nag him or, you know, order him. No, he fired him with something great. There's a great world out there, which he's not, the old boy's not talking about unreality. He says there's a real world there that's bigger than wherever it is, South Devon or somewhere and so Raleigh goes off, and uh, his, his mind is expanded. Now, the point about Christmas is this. And the world is in opposition, in one sense, to what we're trying to do. The world knows that if you're going to get people to spend, you have to fire their imagination. You have to get them dreaming about a strange Christmas. You've got to get them, if, whatever it takes, you've got to get them to buy whether it's bouncing foxes and beaver and uh, badgers on trampolines, or whatever it is, or some strange pre-welfare state Dickensian nonsense, nonsense, or or some little red, some guy red dressed in a red coat, whatever it is, but it 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 wants to inspire. You can have this sort of wonderful Christmas. It's not often a reality, but it's all to do with affecting your imagination. You only change people by changing their imagination. But the Christian message is not changing imagination by dreams, but by reality, by facts, by truth. As Simon read, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. These are facts, the facts of faith. We're not talking about wishful thinking or dreaming. And uh, so I want us to look at this text and really where do we start? Well, you could say I started in a hospital in a certain town in Wickham, in Yorkshire, in Midlands or... In Africa, that's where I started. But then, well, perhaps we started early. Perhaps we started with our first parents. First homo sapiens, if that's not a, uh, an oxymoron. But um, perhaps that's where we started. No, no, it started before then. You know, it's, Even the scientists tell us that the, the, the universe has a beginning, a big bang. It wasn't always there. No, we start before Creation, and that's where, if you're going to understand Christmas, you have to start there. That's the only way you're going to understand Christmas, is to start before creation. And the big question we have to ask is, is what was God doing before creation? What was Jesus doing before creation? And um, we often read John's prologue, you know, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, face to face, literally. And the Word was God. He he was in the beginning with God. So, thank you, Richard, for the... We sang the the creed, as it were. I believe in God, three in one. And that's... The gospel is the Trinity, actually. And uh, what do I mean? From the beginning, God was always loving His Son. There's always been three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is not a single monad, a single entity. No, there's always been a a unity in the three of them. And um, God is love. And you can't say that. God can't be intrinsically love unless there is someone to love. And from all eternity, God has loved his Son. Jesus says that. Father, you've loved me from before the creation of the world. And um, I want us to think about that. See, if you understand God, you've got to see this that um, you've got to start with Jesus Christ. See, I, I did philosophy many years ago. I fortunately forgot most of it. But, you know, you can say, well, what's God like? Well, you could start with Anselm and the ontological argument, or Aquinas and the teleological and cosmological argument, and all these arguments for the, the existence of God. But actually, the best way to understand what is God like. He's from the Son. He who seen me has seen the Father. It's as simple as that. That's what it's about. You see, let's just backtrack. God was was a Father before He was Creator. God is not basically a Creator. He is a Creator. But if He is a Creator, He needs a creation. Therefore, there is a need in God. But there isn't a need in God. Because by definition, God is that being which nothing greater can be conceived. So he's not just a creator. He's bigger than that. Neither is, a ruler. is he a ruler. Adolf Hitler used to call him the Almighty. Call him that, he's Almighty. you call him that, you've missed him by a million miles. No, if you say he's a ruler, a cr- Almighty, you imply... That he needs someone to rule. He needs people to, or something to rule. Therefore, there's a need in God. There is no need in God. No, the, the, the best understanding of God is that he is a father. Jesus calls him father. Now, he's father in a unique way to Jesus. I appreciate that. But um, he's a loving father. That's what he is. He is holy and righteous and pure and all that. But essentially, he is a father to his son. That's what he is, basically. And he's not some heavenly policeman, you know. Um, know, And it's being someone's presence who is, you know, magnetically warm and uh, gracious and generous and lovely. It does something to you, doesn't it? Just to be in their presence, you you, you 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 feel profoundly better, being their presence. And actually, you live better when you come away, for a while. And uh, you you multiply that by a billion times, what it is to be in the presence of God. See, God has always been a father. I have four children. I have not always been a father, but God has always been a father, right? And he has loved the Son from all eternity. The Father is the lover and the Son is the beloved. And there was never a time when he was not a father. He overflows with love to his Son. He loves the Son with a passion, with an intimacy, with a purity, with a closeness, with a joy. He is endlessly satisfied with his Son. There is a bliss. That it's incomprehensible to tiny mortals about the Father loves the Son. And that's what it's about. Jesus says the Father loves the Son and shows him all things. That's what we're going to sing in a minute. Christ by highest heaven adored. It's not the angels that adore Him. Higher than that, highest heaven adored. Passion. And the father loves the beauty and the glory and the splendor and the wonder of this person who is his son in ineffable glory from all eternity, joy. And he he loves him so much. He wants others to share the love that the father has for the son. So he makes man and that, as I say, is another story. But you have to grasp this, the love of the father for the son. Our words are inadequate to describe him. I mean, he makes the universe for him. All things were created for him. Son, these hundred billion galaxies are all for you, for your glory. And yet, amazing, you won't believe this, but it's here, in the middle of time. Listen to your Bible God sent his son. He didn't drop a globule of grace on this fallen planet. He didn't just send a prophet, although Jesus was a prophet. He didn't just send a rabbi, although Jesus was a teacher. He didn't just send a miracle worker, although Jesus was a miracle. He sent his son. No wonder the angels turned out full force that evening. They were amazed. They <laughs> could believe it. It's amazing. And he sent for his son, his son. No wonder the angels say. See, I remember somebody said, I think it was Mike Reeves said, you know, we can, we can picture the gospel if you don't watch it. Like, like God can be like a grumpy headmaster. You know, you, uh, you're caught, not that you would be, you're caught from smoking behind the cricket pavilion or something. <laughs> and you knew you were going to get whacked or whatever you're doing. Not nowadays, of course. Dealt with anyway. But fortunately, there's a nice boy in your class called Jesus. And he will pay the price. And you can go home scot-free without a blemish on your record. Now, I know it's a caricature, but actually we can caricature God a bit like that. Now, there's truth in that. There is truth in it. But actually, that's not the gospel. He comes. He sent his son. And Jesus himself voluntarily, because Jesus is as much God as Father's God. And Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, of the very form of God, didn't count equality with God as something to be held on at all costs. But he emptied himself. He poured himself. He pours himself. And God becomes a fetus. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And born of a woman. Born of a woman. He doesn't lose anything of his... Of his divine nature. But he adds to it. Human nature. He adds to it. And uh, the glory is there. I, I, I've, time is against it. But let me do an illustration. It may work. You know, you go to get a, a new car. You know, like you go and get a wonderful, I know, Ferrari. How much, I don't know what sort of cars you get. they are about 150,000. And you go in the, 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 the showroom and, um, and you have this lovely parade car. Spanking you. Take it for a test drive. So you take it, and you take it through the woods, and the water splashes, and it's just filthy. Mud up. Absolutely. You can hardly see anything from mud. And you bring it back, to, and you take it back. The showman looks at it, and st- the salesman looks at it and says, What have you done to my car? I've done nothing. I've added something to it. <laughs> well, it's a poor illustration. But, you know, God, the Son, adds to himself. Or he took the form of sinful flesh. He comes. So forget the illustration, but he had something. But underneath, there's still glory. Now I see he's fully man. And I don't follow the illustration too far; it'll soon fail. But he, he, he had something to it, and he comes. It's amazing. He didn't come among us. He became one of us. It's amazing. You know, when, he, when God the Father had come in the Old Testament, you remember when he came to Abraham, he came in a flaming brazier, didn't he? And when he, when he comes to the people of Israel, he, he walks in front of them, as it were, with a, in a pillar of fire. When he comes to Job, he comes in, in a whirlwind, doesn't he? And even his friend Moses, he says to Moses, don't look straight at me, because no man can look at me and live. When I've passed by, you, then you can look at my, as it were, back, as it were. But then he comes. Born of a woman. It's amazing, isn't it? Born of a woman. And God, John says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. Born of a woman. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in, in producing this thing. This holy thing. It's amazing. The Son of God becomes a a fertilized egg, a zygote, then then a fetus, then an embryo, then a child. It's just amazing. It is truly wonderful. And Jesus comes fully human, fully man, and yet fully God. But then let's go on quickly with the text. Born under law. See, we're all human beings are born under a state of obligation to keep the law of God. Now we fail. In fact, that's what he's been building up to. So when he talks early in verse 3, So when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Now I appreciate that's a tricky phrase, but as I take it, these basic elementary principles have been hijacked by malevolent unseen powers. Even the Jews had been given the law of God, which was meant to lead men and women to God, actually had been taken over. And the very Jewish nation was in slavery. And that which was meant to lead them to God had led them into legalism and pride. And they were lost. They were in slavery, even the most religious people. And actually, we non-Jews, we don't keep our conscience. We, we break that. And we are manipulated. We're not free. We think we're free, but we're not free. We were born to be sons and daughters, but we're like slaves. We're called to live as God's children, but we live like slaves. And, uh, but because God is three, he can send someone else, as it were. He sends his son. But when the time had fully come, again, we could spend a morning on that phrase when the roman empire was right and the roads were good when the coiny greek the common greek was spoken by uh, the whole of that world, part of the world when people by and large had, had lost faith in all these gods these greek and roman gods they knew they didn't deliver the goods when the time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman Born under the law. He comes as a Jew. He, he keeps the law of God. He's the only person ever to keep the law of God perfectly. He keeps the civil law. He keeps the ceremonial law. He keeps the whole moral law. And he keeps it for us, in our place. It's amazing. Why did he come? He becomes one of us. I remember reading... I, I was in Salford the other week. And this guy came from Salford. Perhaps if you read some of his stuff, John White, he, he's a psychiatrist, he's like, He went to live in Vancouver. But he writes this. Let me read this. As a medical student, I once missed a practical class on venereal disease. Because of this, I had to go to the venereal disease clinic alone one night at a time when students don't usually attend. As I entered the building, a male nurse I did not know met me. A line of men were waiting for treatment. I want to see the doctor, I said. That's what everybody wants, stand in line. But you don't understand, I'm a medical student, I protested. Makes no difference, you got it the same way everybody else did, stand in line. In the end, I managed to explain to him why I was there. But I can still feel the sense of shame that made me balk at standing in the line with men who had VD. Yet Jesus shunned shame as he stood alongside sinners. And the moral gulf that separated him from us was far greater than that than separating me from men in the, in the clinic. Moreover, my dislike of disease was as nothing compared to Jesus' utter abhorrence of sin. But he crossed the gulf. He joined our ranks. He embraced us. And became pure. He was born under the law. And he came. Why did he come? Because we had broken the law. And if we break the law, we are under God's curse. God has said that. And, and he said earlier, Christ, in the previous chapter, Christ redeemed us from the law. Christ redeemed us. How? By becoming a curse for us. It's written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He hung on the tree he, for your sake and mine. He took the curse I can't unpack it all now, but he took the curse for you. That's why he came, because we're in a mess, to put it mildly. We're trapped. We're born in this polluted stream. We think we're islands. No, we're not islands. We're all in the stream. We're not special cases. We're all in it. And He comes to redeem us. And uh, So we're heading for a lost, conscious eternity. Let's not fudge it. And he comes. People, you know, you lead all this pop psychology. And, and they say, come on. They said, awake the hero within you. And I think, there isn't a hero within me. There's a fool within me. You know, but, and we can't do it. We can't, get, we can't get out of it. But there is a way in this short life before it's too late. And this is it. And the key, the key to it is this. We are restored by being restored, right? We are restored to what we were meant to by being restored. In other words, we have to get out of our story into God's story. That's what it's about. And that's why he came. And uh, let's just stop now. He says, anyway, this is just preachers' stuff on a Sunday morning. You know, you talk about this rabbit on. No, no, I'd like to think it was true, my friends. But it's not true. We're not free. The great prophetess of our day by... Uh, you'll know every, six to, every three to ten-year-old girl will sing it to you by Elsa. She's the great prophetess of the day. And I won't sing it to you. but you know the song. It's time to see what I can do. To test the limit and break through. No rights, no wrongs, no rules for me, she sings. I'm free. And they say, Oh wonderful. But we're not free, even though Miss even though Elsa sings it. We can sing no rules, and all that business. No rights, no wrongs, no rules for me. I'm free. We're not, we're trapped. We're trapped by guilt of all the stuff in the past. We've broken the law. We're trapped by fear. Many of you are trapped by fear. We're trapped by lust. We're trapped by men pleasing. And we could go on. We're trapped by hopelessness and fearfulness and greed and covetousness. We're not free. Would that we were free, but we're not. But the good news is that God has sent His Son to make us free. That's what it's about. He said, Well, I am free. No, we're not you have got to make choices in life. He like, said, so I could say, well, you know, if you're a certain age, let's think about the men. If you're a certain age, I can eat what I like. No, you can't. You eat what you like, as much as you like, as long as you like. You'll, you'll get a beast, you'll get type 2 diabetes, and you'll die early. No, you've got to make reasonable choices. Life's like that. I like if you fall in love, you young man. You fall in love with this girl, and you say, I'm free, I'm free. And she said, I'd like to go out tonight. Oh, no, I'm free. I must be free. If you have any sense, young man, you'll curtail that freedom. You'll go with her to to maintain that love. We have to make choices. And God has given us, we're meant to live according to the law of God. That's how we're designed. It's like, you know, I get my new car, my BMW M3, which I've just ordered. And I pick it up and... uh, I should want, won. But actually, that car, I put a five-year-old in it to drive it, it won't be long before that car is wrapped around some lamppost or has done some serious damage because it wasn't designed to be driven by a five-year-old. We were designed to live according to God's way. If you don't live God's way, you will soon make a mess of life. You can cover up well. We're good at that. But we're not free. We're not free. And you, you... you Uh, go against your designer. You violate the rules and you're going against nature. But anyway, quickly, we must move on. He he comes to set us free. He pays the price. And the picture is, uh, he goes into the slave market and pays the price. But it's not simply that. We... um, we're not just forgiven. That's the great thing. We First of all, we're forgiven. The past is dealt with. He sets us free. He pays the price. Uh, but it's not somebody... You see these pictures leaving Wormwood Scrubs or Strangeways or pentagon. You see them leaving the prison. with a suitcase and a little allowance that the, uh, the government has given. But you think it won't be long before they're in back again. And you know, you think, well, Christian just, Christian just forgives in the past. No, it's bigger than that. It's glorious. And look what he says here. And and he says that we might receive the full rights of sons. And John says to as many as received Christ, received Him, who believed on His name, to them He gave the the right to become. The children of God, that's what it's all about. And we get more than forgiveness, my friends. We get more than forgiveness. And I'll just give you the headings now. Quickly, just follow me. It gives us a new identity. Look, the full rights of sons. Now, just to digress, why did it say sons? Why did it say children? It's not a sort of unrestored chauvinist. No. He knows in Greek and Roman culture, the son gets everything. What he's saying is to boys and girls, men and women, when you come to Christ, all of you are given the same legal standing as a son. That's what it's about. He deliberately does that. I'm sorry about that, ladies. He does that. But actually, we men have got to cope with that we are part of the bride of Christ as well. So we have to, you know. He he knows what he's talking about, you see. And uh, he... And we become sons. Now, some of you have watched Downton Abbey. Anybody watch Downton Abbey? Anybody not watched Downton Abbey? Well done. <laughs> Gosh, sanity at last. Goodness me. I'll pray for the others later. No one. But uh, seriously, you know, you know the story that there are sons and there are servants. And there's a world of difference. Uh, in, and in that culture, in the 19th century, and early 20th century, there's a massive culture. And we, we can and God has come to make us sons. See, we're longing for a, a decent identity, aren't we? We're, all our life, I, were, I wish I was taller. I wish I was slimmer. I wish I was better looking. No comments. I wish I was better looking. I wish I was more intelligent. I wish I had some talents. I wish I was from a different family. I wish I was not from that country or this. We always long for a new identity. You know, we're striving to put one on. When you become a Christian, you're made a child of God. You're made a son of You get the full rights as sons. That is why he came. That's why he came. I don't have to strive for identity and try and please people. I am now, because of his grace, made to a child of God. You have the full rights. But quickly, it goes on. (laughs) Look, let's follow the text. He says, he says, uh, he gives... Not only that, he gives you a very life. Jesus, uh, he's called, Jesus is called the Christ. Why is he called the Christ? It means the anointed one. And Jesus is baptized in the Spirit twice. Once at his own baptism and once on the day of Pentecost. When he was baptized at Pentecost, when he'd gone to, not, when he'd gone to glory, his Spirit was poured out on his people. And we're given the Spirit that we might be like him. See, some of you are adopted people, adopted children. And, you know, you've experienced this or you've experienced that people have done it. And they often say, you know, we, we, they have our identity, they have our name. and then we just I just wish I could put my life into them because they're so damaged and such a mess. And the great thing is this. When you become a Christian, not only are you forgiven, not only are you given a new identity, but actually you are given a new life. He puts the Spirit of God in you. He puts the life of God in you. Look what he says. He spe- because we are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our, into our hearts. That's, that's why we'll sing again in a few minutes. My favorite line. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. That's what it's about. It's not, well, Christmas is nice. No, well, that comes and goes, praise the Lord. But when you're born again, It's eternal. It gives you life. And there's something else. And I'll just give you the headings now. Look what he says. Uh, he says the Spirit gives us that, call, that calls Abba, Papa, Father. Why does he suddenly use that? Because Peter would have told Peter, and Mark tells Mark. And, you know, remember, Jesus in Gethsemane. And the Apostle Peter and others would have heard Jesus praying. And he uses, it's all in Greek, but he uses one One Aramaic word, Abba, which he probably would have used earlier with his stepfather Joseph. But he used it of his God and he calls it Abba. In his moments of most grief and intimacy, he calls him Abba. Now, says Paul, now that you are sons and daughters of God, you have that same intimacy with the most holy of God. And you can say Abba, Papa, Father. Don't forget that. When you get up in the morning and you feel, I'm a useless failure, I feel rotten, lousy, and all the rest of it, you know, oh, goodness me. Say, Abba, Father. Whatever else you are, you are loved by your Father. Christians know that. If you don't know it, get filled again with the Spirit. Well, what, what security? What 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 identity? What dignity? What security. What privilege. It's, it's amazing. And uh, it's like being taken out of death row in prison. And the next day you're actually knighted. It's amazing. <laughs> Whatever analogy you want. He does it for you. It is. And then, then there's another line which we haven't time to do. Since you are no longer a slave, he has made you an, also an heir. Wow. The universe, it's all been made for Christ, and we are joint heirs with Christ. He does it all for you. The word becomes flesh, the invisible becomes visible, the untouchable is touchable. Eternal life experiences temporal death. The transcendent one draws near and is touched, the unlimited one is limited. The infinite one becomes finite. The immutable one is changed. Spirit becomes matter. Eternity enters time. The independent one becomes dependent. The one who is all glorious is shamed. The one who is loved from all eternity is suddenly e- hated by these little men. The almighty becomes weak. Gl- the glorious one is shamed. The one who has been in all fame is made... Obscures, enters obscurity from unexpressible joy to unimaginable grief. From a throne to a cross. It's all for you. From a ruler to being ruled and bossed around by humans. From power to weakness. To put it mildly, God adjusts himself. For our freedom, for your freedom he is transfixed, he is impaled on a cross that through his limit, it's the ultimate limitation, you can have ultimate freedom. It is it all for you. It's amazing, isn't it? It is wonderful. Final thought. One channel on the radio, and television, it's a news channel, and you put it on and it's on all the time. And right at the bottom you get a red A red line. Breaking news, right? <laughs> Donald Trump, elected president of the United States. Breaking news. And it said in the Buck- the Buchan Chronicle, there's a wonderful line, this. Aber- Aberdeenshire businessman, elected president of the United States. I bet they've been waiting years to put that line in. <laughs> we can out-trump Trump. Breaking news. Child born to peasant couple is found to be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. The all glorious ones, he comes, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting time, Lord, late in time. Behold, him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. That for you, I just pray, my friends, that this Christmas. The Holy Spirit will open your eyes. Your eyes will pop. Your mouth will drop. And your heart will be thrilled with the unimaginable glory that God, in the fullness of time, sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the Lord, to redeem those under the Lord, that you might receive the full rights of sonship, And because you are sons, you might receive the fullness of his Spirit. And that you might cry from the depth of your heart, Abba, Baba, Father. That's what it's about. Amen? Amen. Amen.